Women make up 70% of the healthcare workforce, but only 20% of its leadership. On her story, we'll explore the careers of bold and influential women from Silicon Valley to Capitol Hill and learn how they've overcome the odds. This is Her Story, a program where we explore what's beyond the glass ceiling. So welcome to Her Story. And I am absolutely thrilled today to have as our guest, Robin Ronk, who is the CEO of something called the Creative Coalition. So Robin, we're just going to jump right in here. And I want you to tell our audience, what is the Creative Coalition? I love jumping anywhere with you, Julie. (laughs) I am your fangirl, your biggest fangirl. So the Creative Coalition is the nonprofit arm of the entertainment industry. It was established about 35 years ago. It was galvanized by the actors Susan Sarandon, Christopher Reeve, Ron Silver, and Alec Baldwin in the heads of Showtime and HBO, because those were the only cables around then, to use the power of the entertainment industry, i.e. the power of the arts, to ensure that the arts flourish in America and also for this nation to understand the efficacy of the arts, how the arts can change social welfare for the good. Well, you know, I think you joined, what, 98 or more than a decade ago, let's put it that way. And when you first started, I think this was a small organization that was mainly focused on kind of an advocacy for the National Endowment for the Arts and and some fundraising. It's a long way from that story beginning today. So as you came in as a leader, you took on an ever-broadening agenda. What happened? Well, it was interesting. Back in the 90s, we weren't as fluid as we were between New York and L.A. and D.C. And right about the time I came in, people were, you know, I'm here in D.C., I'm here in L.A., I'm here in New York. And what it became this one big nation of artists and entertainers. And so we were established. Our headquarters are still in New York City. And we have offices now in LA and in Washington, DC, but we still, we still have the same mission, the same goal that was established by our founders, which is ensuring that the arts thrive and survive in this nation because arts are for whatever reason, arts are considered sort of the dessert of, of our country. It's, you know, it's this frivolous thing. It's, is it a bunch of people leaping around the forest in tights, which is fine, but not a lot of people want to ensure that that thrives. So we started looking at issues and around how the arts can make a difference. And we started 30 years ago with campaign finance reform. Now campaign finance reform doesn't have a lot to do with the arts, but the artists can develop messaging to show people how it, it does affect them and how to distill messages so that the populace can understand the story behind the creative coalition is it happened because these these actors who also happened to be friends, they'd see each other at acting classes and then they'd see each other at community rallies. And Susan and Alec and Chris and Ron Silver, at that point, President Reagan was going to zero out the National Endowment of the Arts. And they said, hey, we got to do something. So they literally went to Washington, D.C. They took the train from New York to Washington, D.C., boned up on some facts, but also had their own stories of the arts and went door to door in Congress, getting votes to ensure that the National Endowment of the Arts was not zeroed out. Now, a lot of people don't understand. I didn't understand it before. The National Endowment for the Arts, we didn't understand what does it do? And what it does is it gets a an amount of federal funding that then gets dispersed 
to every school district, every community in the United States. And that the communities and schools grow that money to ensure that there's not only arts in, in the schools or arts in the community, but communities have been built on community centers, on museums, on establishments, playhouses where the arts add to the economy. And so that's sort of the derivation of it. You use the word stories here that, you know, these famous actors pulled together a story, a compelling story. But that concept of storytelling is something that's pretty much permeated everything that the Creative Coalition does. And it probably was the window through which I know you led a very strong effort to move towards social activism, to broadening the agenda from just being about arts per se to a much broader sort of brand of celebrity marketing around important causes that are not necessarily directly related to uh, the arts, but definitely part of that directional movement in our society. It's funny because so... So still, the National Endowment of the Arts is still not really up to the funding levels it should be. And we still, as you're aware, still do an arts day on Capitol Hill and go door to door. Same old grassroots lobbying that was, you know, it hasn't really advanced a whole lot. We are going door to door having conversations to ensure that there are votes that give money to the National Endowment of the Arts. At the same time, in regard to your question, it sort of goes back to what I said before. Well, arts for art's sake... While it is a beautiful concept, we who appreciate the arts know that this is tremendous, but it doesn't really play in funding the arts. So we thought, well, how can we give the arts efficacy to our day-to-day issues, whether it's in health care issues or in other social welfare issues? And so we started getting involved in, because we're not only a nonprofit, a 501c nonprofit, but we're also a constituency of actors, writers, producers, directors, executives who create content. So we, we have kind of the lock on the most creative messengers. So how do we use that, use that art to move other social welfare issues through the pipeline in a positive direction. So we started getting involved in other issues to show how the arts can make a difference. And one of the first issues we got involved in was mental health and helping to destigmatize mental health. And at that point, we have a president of the organization. I'm the CEO, Joe Pantoliano, the great actor, um, Emmy award-winning actor from The Sopranos, or Joey Pants, as many of us know him by, was, and this is an interesting story, he was in a movie where he was playing a character who had mental illness. And he started to see a lot of similarities with himself and things that he had through his childhood and things. And he was then diagnosed and he became, he is quite an advocate for mental illness, but he also brought the Creative Coalition in and we met with leaders in the mental health arena and community to say, well, as artists, as people who have a platform, we're in the living rooms of millions and millions of people every day. How do we help destigmatize this illness that affects so many in this nation, in this world. So if you watch TV, if you go to movies, you can see that, you know, going to a therapist, seeking help for mental illness, it's all part of the zeitgeist of anything from a dramedy to a comedy to a procedural, and that's okay. And we feel like we help to destigmatize it. And there's still, you know, we still are working on that. And we take on issues. We also 
recently have taken on the issue of destigmatizing obesity. How can creative arts help to destigmatize this disease that affects four out of 10 Americans? And that's almost half of the viewers of this content. So that's why we also, we also say, well, what does it have to do with the arts? Well, you make your living from a constituency where half have this disease. So we try and make that relevant. And, you know, we're still coming up um, every April. We go to Capitol Hill to ensure that the National Endowment of Arts is funded because so many communities depend on it. You know, and in their statistics, a dollar spent on the arts brings back $7 to a community. And those are pretty good odds. Well, let me come back to that in a moment, but on this topic of uh, social activism, one of the things that I didn't know that you had been involved in or may be still involved with is this whole image for girls, body image. And, you know, I forget what the name of the series was, but this, this idea that our whole society is involved in teaching people to be ashamed of their bodies, and particularly for young girls, this can have devastating consequences. So, you know, I, I don't know what prompted that particular area, but it certainly has been a powerful resource for helping girls see uh, their beauty in different ways. One great thing, a lot of great things about the Creative Coalition, but there's not a lot of red tape. We find an issue and we just get moving on it. And I believe I had been working with the Girl Scouts on something or I knew the head of the Girl Scouts and the Girl Scouts were taking on this girl's body image. And this probably was, you know, before it became the thing. They really were pioneers in that. And so they asked us to create a campaign because the media is so influential and so influential to girls that that addressed this. And the name of the campaign was Don't Believe Everything You See. And we had some great and iconic women and young adult women in this series of public service announcements that talked about girls and body image. My background is grassroots and organizing. And so we partnered, the Girl Scouts then had the activations for it. Because just seeing a, a public service announcement, it's great, but it imprints for a second. And, you know, you have to have some type of action to be credible. You know, Chris, just in these three areas that we've talked about, the obesity, the body image issue, and mental health, these are problems that are especially relevant to adolescents in our country and many countries. You know, and it's interesting because I kind of forgot, it, but we also spearheaded a campaign called Be a Star, and that was an anti-bullying campaign. And we did that with, interestingly enough, we did that with WWE, who is perceived as, you know, the biggest bullies in, in show business, but it is, you know, it's entertainment. And we created the Be a Star Alliance. And it, at the end, I think it was at, in 5,000 schools, and we still are doing it, but it's sort of taken on a life of its own. We brought WWE superstars to kids. They gathered at the schools and we did programs with them. We had a curriculum. We worked with teachers. We were the catalyst to bring together a number of community organizations to make anti-bullying a priority. And we also work with state legislations to, to put in anti-bullying legislation, that this was a real thing. And so that's what we do. We, we try, we act as a catalyst. We, we're not experts in the substance. We respect those who do. 
we know process and we know how to take a message and make it palatable. Having worked with you on a few things, I know that you are more than process. You're a fantastic leader. You're an author. You have produced a movie and you are a very popular speaker appearing at universities and colleges and in all kinds of venues. When you were a little girl growing up in the South, did you think you would be interacting with the stars and really becoming a star yourself? Or how did you go from your very beginning to where you are today? You know, Julie, that's a great question that I haven't really thought of, but I loved growing up in the South. I grew up in a small town in Clemson, South Carolina. My dad at the time was a university professor there. Growing up on a college campus is so much fun. As for kids, I mean, you get, it's, it's this carnival of, of grown up things you get to do and be exposed to in the arts and the arts, especially in these small towns, we had a community theater or community theater. <laughs> and that was where my, you know, love of Broadway and the love of a musical and the love of the arts. It was this great place where other people like me would be. That, that I had this this thing, you know. I mean, I kind of knew that Washington existed. I knew what the, that there was a president. I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I just, I knew I loved something inside me when I, the, the arts spoke to me. And ha you know, happily, I, we, in our high school, in our high school, we had a great drama teacher and choral teacher. And it sort of was like this, it sounds like it was an episode of Glee, but she brought in the the football player. She she was able to create this magical thing on the stage that football players and the geeks and the nerds and the goths, I mean, everyone just, you know, rallied around it. I just loved the arts. It was just my happy place. And my dad still pines that I'm not a scientist, but... <laughs> Well, in a way, you are a scientist. Well, no, he's, he's such a pure scientist that he doesn't like that political science is called science. So, <laughs> you know, growing up, all I wanted was an easy bake oven, but I got the human body, the plastic, the build the human body and paint the, like, the <laughs> organs. That was why. So maybe that was where the love of the arts came <laughs> And then I was, I went to Penn State and loved it there. This is what's interesting. Kids today have a plan. And I can honestly say I did not have a plan. I just, I was living in the moment and graduation from college came and my best friend from sleepaway camp said, let's go to DC. I have a boyfriend in DC. And so I, cause she was graduating from Northwestern. So I went, okay. Cause I had no plan landed in DC. She ended up breaking up with the boyfriend and I was in DC. So I now love government. I love the workings of, of our government and democracy. And I'm fascinated by it. But when I graduated from college, that was, I mean, Penn State's a great school. I do not want to, I was the anomaly that didn't know how the government, how a bill became a law. But I went, I needed a job. And in Washington, the industry is government. So you have to understand it. And I literally went door to door in my little spectator pumps. I think they were also Naga hide, not real leather, because I couldn't afford that. <laughs> and with my fake leather briefcase, went door to door. And I ended up getting a um, job, a really low level job with a senator. And my job was to open up all the mail, because back then mail came, and to learn how to write the words rest assured when you're writing back to constituents. So no matter what, Rest assured, 
we're on it. So I didn't have a plan. And so I kind of wandered into to this this government and to, to policy and politics and ended up loving it. And there's great theatrics on Capitol Hill, too. There's a great, you know, it's arts and letters. It's every word that you say, that you write, that you, and I learned about that. I, you know, in, in time became a lobbyist, but it's all about the words and presentation. Some of our audience uh, are people who are aspiring to be in higher positions of leadership, and they're looking for confidence, and they're looking for you know, how do you go from where you are to where you want to be? So in your situation, you must have just had, I could use a different word, but I'll say you had a lot of courage, you know, to be able to just reach or, out. Or and- ignorance. So I guess I'm trying to be, I'm trying to act like a leader here. So I'll say it's courage. But it's the key is to not, not over plan and to be willing to take risks and know when you can take the risks. And again, as a young adult woman, I didn't have kids. I didn't have a mortgage. I, you know, my biggest responsibility was a car payment. So that allowed me to take risks. People always say, oh, go for it, take the risk. But listen, it's a lot easier to simplify your life if you have a lot of money. (laughs) You have to know when to open that window. And I think that was one of the things somehow I don't know if it was now looking back, it was, I wasn't afraid to jump in somewhere where I didn't exactly know what the ending would be. And I honestly, I didn't know what my goal was, but I knew it fascinated me. And I did know I had this luxury that I had no one else to answer to except myself. So I followed these fascinations and found myself, if if that makes sense. That's a wonderful, you know, do what you love you know, in a sense. And, and I think that's something that resonates with everyone. But, you know, probably some people who are listening to us wonder why are we in a series that has generally been focusing on women in various aspects of the health industry? Why are we talking to the Creative Coalition? I think you've already heard some of that because the Creative Coalition is a force of health and well-being and, and mental health. And we don't think of this as a health function, but actually the arts and the advocacy certainly have health outcomes. But I wanna make sure we have a chance to touch on something that's vitally important to everyone in the health field right now. And that's the whole issue of the pandemic that we're currently experiencing and the work that you have led to really create confidence in the importance of vaccination, but not just sending the usual message out about, you know, the vaccine works, we need to protect yourself, protect others. You have been able to orchestrate an incredibly culturally competent and very segmented strategy for addressing these issues in ways that really matter to people in different communities. So tell us a little bit about It's Your Shot. Well, thanks, Julie. I I could never have said it as good as you as well as you did. We got a call in March or February of last year from Dr. Sten Vermont, who's the head of the Yale School of Public Health, and who said, Y'all are the best messengers, Creative Coalition. We need messaging for these vaccines. Would you work with us? And I'm like, Yeah, I think we will. <laughs> that took about ten seconds to decide. It was such an honor to be called upon by, you know, the medical community to do this. We make sure that we learn, that we educate ourselves first before we try to message something. 
And so we sat in a lot of um, lectures and seminars and in a very quick time to understand what was going to be what was with vaccines. And we, again, being the creative coalition, we're great at collating people. We're great at bringing in people who are experts when we're not. We're experts with words. We're experts with messaging. So we knew that at that time there were seven communities of uh, hesitation at the beginning of the COVID vaccine. And we brought in behavioral scientists. We brought in the best writers, producers, directors to help us make this message. We brought on people like you, Julie, from the medical community who could give us guidance because we know how to be persuasive with words and with artistic assets. But we needed the behavioral scientists. We needed the medical community to tell us if we were on target. And we also then worked with community leaders in these seven areas of hesitation. And then when we produced these PSAs, we made sure that we were speaking to these seven communities of hesitation with substance, with messaging that made sense, because it was a different message for rural America than it was for the Latinx community. And so we are continuing now, we're about to launch a campaign about boosters and about home testing. So it's our duty as artists, as citizens of this world and as artists to use our, what is our value added? Our value added is distilling messaging to make an impact. And that's our civic duty. And we have, as artists and as people in the entertainment industry, we have a platform that no one else has. And so we have to use the superpower for the common good. So where can people find these spots? Because uh, I, I really would encourage our audience to check out some of the, hopefully people have seen many of them, I have, but I know that you have a website. So can you tell folks where they can locate them? Absolutely. Just go to the creativecoalition.org and you can, the spots are right there. And I just wanted to give a shout out to some of the actors who were on the public service announcements. It was everyone from Morgan Freeman to Alyssa Milano who shared their private stories. Alyssa was an early COVID victim and she shared a very earnest story about where she was and why the vaccines are so important. And, you know, we, we get that, you know, sometimes celebrities, if you will, seem untouchable. What the Creative Coalition does is put them within reach and put what they can bring to the table within reach. It's my constituency and the members of the Creative Coalition that allow me to do what I do. So I have to ask you, because Tim Daly is your president, right? The president of the coalition. He is my president. And I, had chance, <laughs> yeah, I had a chance to interact with him. And I'll tell you, I get a little starstruck. So how do you interact with these amazing people and kind of keep your balance and your own perspective? First of all, I have to say this. I understand what you mean about starstruck because I am so starstruck with you. I get like weird and giggly whenever I'm with you, Julie. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Julie Carbine. So I get it. I know that feeling. Um, what's great about the talent, the celebrities who align with the Creative Coalition, who are members, are they're people first. They're activists who happen to become actors. They're parents. They're people who are very active in their community. They're driving their kids to soccer. And they get why it's important to be involved. You know, most of us have an issue and have a charity that we give to, or we give our time or our money. Our members of the Creative Coalition 
happen to be actors. That's their day job. But they care, you know, they care very much about serving the community. And it's very interesting. Sometimes I'll hear, oh, well, they're just doing it for the publicity. First of all, they don't get paid for any community work that they do, any issue work that they do. And publicity, remember, 50% of their fans will not like what they're saying or doing. So it's not great for their career, but they do it because they feel it. And as far as I just, I'm just the person who, who gets the people together. My joy is I work with some of the most brilliant people and I have a great respect for what they do and that they're giving this time to give back is always, I just am in awe of it. But Robin, you know, I think for a lot of us, this whole world of, I'll call celebrity marketing or activism or PSAs, whatever, you know, it's kind of a mystery. We all have an instinct that if we could just get so-and-so to come and talk about cervical cancer or the importance of vaccination, that our problems would be solved. But I think what you have done is taken this to a higher level and actually helped us understand that this isn't more than a nice thing to do. This is actually a really important channel of influence and information it's a resource for information and awareness about various health issues that matter to quite a diverse array of communities. So you may not think that you are a health professional, but I am going to make you an honorary health professional. Oh my gosh. Well, that, I have to tell my daughters because, you know, they don't have a lot of respect for Dr. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you could play one on TV. But anyway. That is great. But I just wanted to say one of the things that we're doing is sort of institutionalizing this storyline and sound science. And this year we're going to be launching something called the Entertainment Industry Institute for Storyline and Sound Science to bring the leadership of the arts and the most brilliant mind in the arts who are in tens of millions of living rooms every day to take these messages to that serve the common good. Well, thank That's you erupting. for your leadership and for sharing a little bit about how you got from the Southern College campus to, you know, waltzing with the stars where you are today. But it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And I do encourage everyone to check out the Creative Coalition and pay a little more attention when you see some of these amazing health messages come your way. And anytime you have a chance to amplify them through your networks, please do so. So, Robin, thank you. And, Julie, uh, I'm making you an honorary star in Hollywood. We will broker that deal. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks so and, much. And thanks to all of our viewers for joining us again for Her Leadership Story. Thank you. Thank you. Her Story is a podcast produced by Think Medium. For more leadership stories from inspiring women across healthcare, tune in every Wednesday. Please subscribe to Her Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now. You can also view Her Story episodes in video and access exclusive content on our website at thinkmedium.com. Be sure to rate and review Her Story so we can continue bringing you insights from influential women across the country. If you enjoyed this episode, we appreciate you spreading the word to your friends, family, colleagues, and mentors who might be interested. For questions and suggestions, please contact us at herstory at thinkmedium.com. Thanks for listening.